Welcome home radio podcast. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Our team is here with answers to guide you through the buying and selling process. We encourage you to ask questions. Please comment on this show or visit us at welcomehomeradio.net for more information. Bringing real estate, lending, and education together in one place and to help you make the right home decision for you and your family. Here are your hosts, Blair Thomas, Tom Holm, Alan Pace, and Jeff Duffy. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio. Happy New Year. 2023 is here. Cannot believe it. My goodness, I I can't believe that I've made it this far, most of all, but I did some research on New Year's resolutions, and I wanted to bring this up. Both the Western and Eastern worlds have celebrated New Year's through resolutions. All the way back to 2000 BC with the Babylonians, they started it, and then the Romans actually brought it into the Julian calendar starting January 1st. Now, I did not know this, but about 40% of Americans participate. They set up New Year's resolutions. And unfortunately, I also have to state only 88% or 88% fail. Only 12% are successful in their New Year's resolutions. Now, of course, the most common ones we probably already know, weight loss, quit smoking, exercise regularly. But further down the list, about number nine is at 12%, buy my first home or buy my next home. And guys, that failure rate concerns me. When somebody has a goal of buying a home and you want to get started in the right way, you want to start off with good information. Knowledge is power. That's what Welcome Home Radio is all about. We're going to really refocus ourselves this year in 2023 at welcomehomeradio.net. You can find us there. You can find all of our past videos. But we really want to help you be successful in that New Year's resolution. We want to help you understand the buy or the sell. We want to help you understand the loan process. We want to help you understand that that name that we never understood what it's there for. I understand home insurance, but what in the world is title insurance? So starting off our new year, first off, I want to welcome back my co-host, Tom and Alan. Gosh, happy new year, guys. Hope it was a great holiday season. Very nice. Very nice. Matter of fact, I got a little reminder before the new year began of something that was sent to me. It says, um, I was going to give up all my bad habits for the new year, but then I remembered no one likes a loser. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the way I have approached 2023. You're a part of that 60% that says I'm just not going to do it, right? (laughs) And happy new year also. And as a guy that goes to the health club, I can already tell you most of those people have already quit going. (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of back to normal hey and i also want to help and just welcome we have a new co-host joining us this year in 2023 jeff duffy with fidelity national jeff so excited you're going to be participating glad to have you on board sir good morning i'm happy to be here excited yes and michael welcome glad to have you here thanks for having me happy Um, new year to you i hope it was a good holiday season Oh yeah, it was great. We had we had a great time. It's it's always good to have some time off and some some time away and some relaxation. Um, so yeah, good times. Well, there's no relaxing now. Rates are getting better. New year started. We're kicking it off strong, and 
we've been talking, of course, you ha we've had our experts here between myself, Tom, and Alan going, but what in the world is title insurance? Why does title insurance, even in the real estate, whether it's a cash purchase, whether it's a loan process, whether it's a refinance, what are we doing? What does title do for our clients? Because so often they ask that question. Well, I'll, uh, I'll jump into it and I'll lean on Michael here in a minute with that. But uh, there's a, a couple of aspects of what we're actually doing is issuing a title policy. Okay. And that, that is an insurance policy. Uh, when you close on your property or you do a refinance, whether it be commercial or residential, um, that title policy is protecting you. Uh, it is an insurance policy, but unlike your home or auto insurance, which is protecting you from the future, a possible hailstorm on your roof or an accident in your vehicle, the title policy is protecting you from the past, from all the entities who held interest in that property uh, prior to your purchase of that property. Uh, it is a one-time fee at closing. You don't, you're not paying it out monthly or annually. Once you pay that one-time fee, as long as you own the interest of that property, your title policy is valid for you. So that's that's the primary aspect of what we do and who we are as a title. Well, I have a question. I mean, I keep hearing about people can steal my home. <laughs> I, help me understand what I mean. I, I, I don't understand if we have this insurance policy, but people can still steal my home. Is this true? Is this not true? Is it marketing? What what are we talking about here? Um, and Michael, jump in anytime if you have a thought, but the, a lot of that that's happening is marketing. Those are companies that have set themselves up. And if you heard the commercial, it is a scary commercial, doesn't it? It really makes you think, holy cow, what's going on here? Where, well, I'm, I'm a sitting duck. Uh, it, it, that's really not the case. And, and I'm, I can only talk from my personal opinion. Um, but, you know, we heard the story, and it's been years ago now. I, the main story I think we all heard on the news, that some gentleman who was in a state penitentiary was able to start pulling deed and do, or documents from the courthouse, which that's public record, as we all know. And for them at that time, you have to have a notary who's in on the, on the game as well because you start forging documents and filing those of courthouse record. That, that's one of the biggest stories that I know we've heard of in the last decade or two, uh, if anybody recalls. And he finally, it was, they were finally found him, they caught him. And yes, there's going to be some lawsuits that took place if someone forges a document. But the whole scare in those commercials is the aspect of they put the deed in their name, they start taking out loans in their name because they're on title, and then they just bolt. And now you're coming back to reclaim, I say reclaim your title, but you have all these liens on the property. He was a little bit easier to catch, though, because he couldn't really bolt, could he? <laughs> he was bolted down. He was already. <laughs> exactly. Take it away from me. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think I think one of the one of the things to, to understand, too, is that these companies that are advertising to, you know, keep your title squared away, they are, you know, once you sign up with them, essentially what they're doing is they're just charging themselves to go into the public record every day and to make sure that a deed hasn't been filed a record on your property. So if they, I mean, and the more people that sign up to do this with these companies, the more people they have to hire to, to check the public record every day, because uh, on the, on the, on the one hand, there's really, you know, you can't, you might not be able to present, uh, prevent yourself from getting into a car accident today, but you're going to get into your car and you're going to drive to work. Um, there are certain, certain components of, of, 
kind of this fear mongering aspect of, of your title that, you know, they're, they're just some things that, that you're not going to be able to prevent. And if a guy who's in prison, who's in cahoots with the notary decides to forge a deed to transfer title on your property, um, I, I mean, what are the odds of that happening? It's one in a million. It's probably one in more than a million. So, um, so the the idea of, of marketing a company like this, I guess, uh, I guess it could could be brilliant. At the same time, um, it's it's not something that statistically uh, is gonna is gonna happen to you. And there's a cost to title insurance, and a question I get asked all the time by clients and of course buyers and sellers. Um, is there's how much is it? I know a lot of realtors say roughly 1% of how much the house is worth, but um, I know there's a formula you guys are using one and it's generally less than 1% in my experience. So how do you establish the cost? Because somebody has to pay and it depends on the market. Sometimes sellers pay like they're paying right now, but you know, two years ago, buyers were paying for it. So how does, uh, how do you establish cost to that? The cost is established. Um, I like to say it is, um, it is governed by the state um, and determined on the sales price of the loan amount. So if you're getting a, if you're, if you're refinancing your property, the uh, title insurance policy is, is, is determined by your loan amount. If you're purchasing a home, it's going to be determined by the sales price. Um, just a, just a real quick um, explanation of the formula. I, I would say, I would say for, for a majority of the property um, in the country, or, or really we're talking about Texas here, uh, Texas title insurance is, is regulated by the state. And the, the formula looks like this to keep this as simple as I possibly can, because it's not a, it's not a simple formula, um, but I can, I can maybe iterate it in a way that, that is um, easily uh, translational through this, through this podcast, but any, any sales price, any home, from a hundred thousand to a million dollars, or excuse me, a hundred thousand and one dollars to a million dollars. The way that the way the formula goes is, you subtract a hundred thousand dollars from the sales price. The result of that is X. You multiply that times zero point zero zero five two seven, and you get a number. And then you, from that number, you add eight hundred and thirty two dollars. So that's how the title insurance policy is calculated on a on a home that is selling for a hundred thousand and one dollars up to a million. And then the the multiple um, goes down from a million to five million, five million to 15, 15 to twenty five. Um, anything under one hundred and hundred thousand dollars, the title insurance policy is eight hundred and thirty two dollars. So Bye. Michael, uh, there's been something that's come up in my classes where I'm teaching um, with lenders that sometimes come to present and that type of deal. And um, the conversation has been directed towards the fact that it, they are seeing on their closing statement title companies charging different amounts to the buyers and sellers. They're using that formula, but they're breaking it up. And if it says it's the seller's responsibility to pay for it, uh, the buyer ends up with a disproportionate amount. I mean, there's, it used to be in the good old days, mm -hmm. I would tell people the, you know, uh, the mortgagee policy was $125 and it went to 175 and then everything else would be the buyer. What explain to our folks out there, what is this 
kind of haphazard thing that we're running into. It seems haphazard. I'm sure there's reason madness to the method or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff might be able to speak a little bit more clearly on this after, after I, I give a brief, uh, a brief explanation of that. Um, I would say, I would encourage you if you're representing someone who's refinancing or buying or selling a home and they're responsible for the title policy, I would encourage you to go to, um, a national rate calculator um, and calculate the rate. Um, if you are responsible for paying for the title insurance policy, I would say it is in your best interest to make sure the title company is charging you appropriately. Um, but I know that TRID and the way the CDs are drafted, um, they uh, they pose the the title insurance premium in, a, in an interesting way. I'm, I'll let I'll let Jeff talk a little bit more about that yeah so the, the title policy i mean again we're regulated by regulated by the state the texas department of insurance okay so the the flat amount for the policy itself that has to be the same everyone has to use it right policy. sometimes remember this there's a title policy and then there we have escrow fees as a title entity the title policy goes to the underwriter who's underwriting that insurance policy the escrow fees is how we as an individual office uh, create an, an income stream. So let's say if it's $900 per file, or let's say $1,100 per file is a closer average, that amount is split between buyer and seller. So they would pay $550 a piece if it's $1,100. Okay. Um, and our end, as far as fidelity is concerned, we have that flat fee. But some other things I'm told with other companies, there's sometimes a FedEx fee, a make copies of your HOA fee, make, you know, there's some miscellaneous fees, a fax fee or funding fee. Sometimes we just have one flat fee in that aspect. Um, but it, it's, but go ahead. Yes, there is, there is the two policies. Of course, there's the owner's title policy where it protects the owner of their rights or their interest in the property. And then there's the lender, the lender's mortgagee policy. So almost always the buyer's paying for their mortgagee policy. And then it's negotiable with the title policy, which is 99% of the time in our area paid for by the seller. Now, with the recent market we had, even though it slowed now, more buyers were writing contracts saying, I'll pay for the title policy to get a seller, a seller to accept their, their contract faster than someone else. But so that is, it's definitely negotiable, but it's not as far as being split. Those are the only two ways it's typically split. Well, and th that's my concern for the consumer. First off, Trid says that that is a fee that they can shop. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to make sure uh, borrowers understand that once they get to a title company and we're giving them or we, I don't do this anymore, but when I tell my and train my loan officers that you need to be out there getting the costs from the title company, that's their responsibility to properly reflect what the title company says they're going to charge. But again, my concern is that it seems all over the board, there's not just a mortgagee policy cost anymore. It seems like you go to one uh, title company and they will charge for the mortgage or policy, you know, a thousand dollars. You go to the next one, they charge 750. And then the balance of that difference on your calculation ends up somehow on the buyer's side. And that to me seems kind of disconcerting that I couldn't find out a rhyme or reason of why that is happening. When I saw when some people sent me their closing, I had some, you know, new loan originators send me actually CDs and said, what is this 
you know, why is this differential here for the for the title companies? And I couldn't explain it. Yeah, the way that the way it populates on the CD right now, even if the even if the seller has agreed to pay for the title policy, my understanding is that in Section H, excuse me, Section C of the CD, right uh, in, the, in the title insurance section, there will be a buyer charge. And then on page, I guess it's page three of the CD in Section K, there should be a credit to the buyer. Okay because the, the buyer has the ability to shop those fees, the sellers agreed to pay for it. So um, I think the, the TRID wants it shown as a charge collected to the buyer. And then on page three in section K and M, there's a debit and credit to a uh, credit to the buyer and a debit to the seller. I want to take us back to something that I think because we're in the industry, because we know some of the words, the, the processes, We've really left some listeners out of the equation of what title insurance is covering. I know you you said, Jeff, it, it protects you against history, but give us an example of what can happen if title is not cleared. What what potentially could happen in a case of, you know, I don't know, a death in the family and the will and all of this and then the sale of the home is done. What give us some insight to that because our listeners really, I'm sorry, they're not clear yet why title is so important. So uh you you purchase a new home, uh, let's say, okay. Um once you've had that home, let's say it's six months, let's say it's a year later, someone comes knocking on your door, you receive a letter of, hey, um, I did some work on this property and the, the previous owners took out a $20,000 lien to pay for the work that I did on this property. And I was never paid. It was never paid. And that and, includes new construction, right, Jeff? Absolutely. That's one okay. of the important things we do with new construction. You've got to think of a builder. He has so many contractors that are working on all those homes for them. We have to make sure all those debts are paid and liens are paid before we'll issue that title policy. That's our job. We're making sure everything in the past is cleared. If it's not, then you're filing a claim on your policy and that's the, where the title insurance covers you and the underwriter has to pay for it because it, it was missed. Um, and, and that's, I mean, you, it could be liens from the city. I mean, it can be small things. It could be the mortgage, a previous mortgage that somehow was missed and wasn't paid off. I mean, things like that, that's, that's all the responsibility of why we are a part of the game as far as doing the research to make sure that's, that's handled and cleared away. And I, I think a lot of people are surprised that there's millions and millions of claims every single year in the state of Texas alone, much less across the country. It's huge. And one of the biggest items is not just someone missing a lien. It's uh, forgery over the years. When Farmer Jones sold that land before that builder even built it 50 years ago, somebody can come back and say, you know what? That was my dad or that was my grandfather. And we never signed off. We, we never fully executed a deal on that. You know, there's a there's a number of ways of items that can be filed against a property. That's what protects you. It keeps you from having to deal with that or pay that off yourself. So how often, how often when you get a contract, does this come to a halt because of title discrepancy? Last year, we were literally three days from a closing. I received a phone call and this lady said, Hey, I just wanted you to know your deal has got uh, your seller. There is an issue there. I, you know, in the moment I said, I don't know who you are. You know, I need to find out your name. She was not part of the contract. She said, this is a faulty closing. 
So we had to put everything on pause. We start doing the research. And at that time, come to find out the person who was our seller. Well, I apologize. Let's step back. The person who our seller bought the property cash from another individual. What had happened was that individual had forged their father's will and taken over possession of that property, leaving the other two heirs out of it completely. So that was the track that went that went mm. down the road of. So our seller was the one that had a claim. But unfortunately, she had purchased the property cash. Uh, and I, I have a client who has a friend. Um, they're from other parts of the world and are not necessarily fluent with a lot of stuff here. Um, and she evidently got a knock on her door for an eviction notice. And I haven't got the latest update. I do know that she got a lawyer and she's doing her best, but um, I simply went on the, the county files and that property is shown to be owned by another owner. Wow. And I don't know the latest. I haven't, this was fairly recent. And I'm anxious to find out what happened. But um, so listen, everybody, this can happen. You have to have clear title. Do not mistake that fact. Well, and I think the, the reminder here is, and so often people forget what we do. I'm, I'm just entered my 30 year, 30th year in the business. And I'll tell people when they ask what I do, I said, well, I'm in the title business. And they'll think, oh, well, I was thinking about redoing my floors. It's, no, it's title, not title. <laughs> A little different there. But they just don't use us that many times in, you know, during their life of how many homes they're purchasing. So, but keep this in mind, anytime you're borrowing money to purchase a property, the lender loaning you that money is going to require a title policy, no matter who pays for it. They're like, they're not going to go, here's your 600,000. We don't care about the history of this property. They're going to require that you have a title policy. I think a lot of times uh, when someone's buying with cash, because we have a lot of investors and things and go, well, I don't want to spend that $2,300. Well, you're, you're risking, you know, you're not kicking the tires on that new car. This particular person did pay cash. And, and, and that's, that's, that's a challenge when you don't, when you don't get a policy, when you pay cash, they think it's, everybody thinks it's a lot of money, but not compared to your investment in the long run. Yeah. I, the potential here for disaster, it, it, it can come up and bite you, whether it's a lien financially or an heir that was never signed off on. So I have to ask this question. What is the most challenging title search you guys have to perform? What, when does it become difficult and delays or challenges? Because we've all had delays through title. I had one recently that <laughs> Jeff and I have discussed multiple times. And what is the most challenging title search for you? I would, I would say you would be surprised at how, how few people um, view their real estate asset as as something to hold on to or something to take care of. Um, in in my experience, um, the most difficult the most difficult problems arise when there is a deceased person in title and they died without a probated will, so they've died intestate and. So there is no probated will and there is nobody on the planet who can corroborate an airship affidavit. So what, what, what happens when someone is in title and they are deceased and they do not have a probated will that lines out 
where the property is to go upon the death of the decedent, um, we have to get an affidavit signed by somebody stating who are the heirs to this property. And then there have to be two impartial third parties that corroborate the information in the affidavit. And I've had multiple uh, closings where the owners of the property just could not find somebody who, um, you know, who, who had relevant information or who had intimate enough information as it related to the decedent on who was, uh, you know, who the heirs were to the property. And so those, those tend to be the most difficult ones. And, and, and when you get into a situation like that, there's got to, at, at that point, you get into a situation where a judge is called into the, into question or a court order is called into the, into the scenario, because we are not going to, you know, Jeff alluded to forgery earlier in the conversation. And, and so anytime the title company as, as a fiduciary, anytime we get into a situation where we don't feel comfortable <laughs> with the information being provided to us or, um, or yeah, the information that, that we have on hand, you know, we're going to, we are going to, we're going to defer to the, you know, the authorities, the legal authorities. Awesome. So, so if you've got somebody, if, if, if in your family there is a piece of real estate um, and, and the owner of that real estate is somebody who is not well or has already deceased, um, the, first, the first piece of advice I would give to you, again, there's, there's cost involved, but the first piece of advice I would, I would give would be to hire legal counsel. Find somebody who is legally competent to, um, to help you deal with the disposition of your real estate. Here's a question I get from clients all the time. And um, let's talk about title at title companies. What's the difference between like a escrow officer or a closer or a, you know, manager or whatever? How, how do you, how does that work? Well, an escrow officer and a closer are, the, are one and the same. It's just terminology in that aspect. You do have to be licensed by the state of Texas. Uh, and there are hours that have to be kept up every two years. You have to have so many hours of con uh, continuing continuing education. Um, Michael is an escrow officer. I don't have my license at the moment. I have over the years. Michael's also uh, the manager of our title operations here at the Irving location. So he oversees. We have a, a large commercial group that handles commercial transactions as well as uh, several escrow officers that handle uh, residential transactions. So uh, he oversees a group of about 15 or 16 of us. And often, uh, you know, when it comes to maybe old age or, you know, not very mobile or just out of the country, out of the state, you have escrow officers that act on that behalf. Um, who's responsible for getting the escrow officer to make the to do the closing paperwork offsite? Well, Michael, go ahead if you'd like. Well, I was, I was just going to say, um, in Texas, the, the closing documents really only have to be signed in the presence of a notary public. So, um, so if you've got a client who, who is out of state, um, typically the title insurance company will work with the client to, uh, to find a notary public who can meet with them at a location of their choosing in order to get the documents signed uh, in time for closing. That can get interesting. I had one close in a in an embassy in Mexico. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
uh, we also have, I mean, you can think of if, if it's a cash transaction, let's say, um, I know Michael doesn't always, that's not his preferred method, but you can use DocuSign can be accepted by underwriters. Now, there's a lot of times the lenders, of course, they're not going to allow that because there's so many items that need to be notarized. Um, we also have Ron, which is a remote notary service that we can use. We have clients that close from uh, Japan to Vietnam to all over the world. And that is uh, a certain, this is not, this one is a cert certified notary because there's a, they're a specialist in that. They can witness you online as long as you have a good Wi-Fi and you have a camera, they can witness your signature online and then you'd send the original documents back. But that can be certified and that can be filed in the courthouse. Uh, again, this this they do have a cert special certification to be able to do that. So and, it can accommodate most anyone anywhere, essentially. Well, and, and, the, and the unique thing is I know I've done this with Jeff, is that we have closed uh, active duty veterans where they're in deployment the spouse is back here buying a home and we're able to get those documents signed and done and completed in a timely manner. Um, those, those are opportunities that I, as I call them opportunities to, to succeed. And Jeff has always come through. Uh, he's always figured out a way to make things happen in a, in a good way. You brought up about escrow officers and a lot of times clients don't understand about escrows and there is a choice uh, outside of governmental loans that they can choose not to escrow or to escrow. And I'm sure I'm raising Tom's ears a little bit with this, but the bottom line is help us understand as being escrow officers, what escrows do, how you handle it, because you're really the clearinghouse. And what our trouble with our, our last uh, opportunity with another title company was they didn't take care of some clearing processes like payoffs that they were supposed to make help us understand what what you do in that essence to help us set up escrows to help clear up whether it be paying off a credit card or debt so forth because i think our buyers really need to understand you're putting this collateral up and that's the home title is going to help us as the lender prepare and make sure that this is a worthy collateral to be borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Would you agree with that statement and how that is? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually, when you think about over a time frame of a of yearly, it's millions up to billions of dollars as far as how big of a region do you want to cover as far as the funds that a title company is handling. That's why we're an escrow entity because we are escrowing and handling those funds. Now, so a, a scenario you mentioned there was a credit card. Well, if this is someone's homestead, when we do a title search, we're going to find the current mortgage on the home, correct? We're going to see that of record. And then we would communicate to the seller, we need this information to help obtain this payoff. Uh, and I think one of the things that buyers and sellers should always understand and know as well, when we're all in this process together, time is of the essence. So when we're requesting information, we're only doing that to help meet the guidelines for the contract that you signed to get this deal closed. So it's, it's always a good thing if we have people who respond quickly with the request that we put out. Um, but going back, you mentioned a credit card. A credit card should not be showing up because on our title report, because it's not secured debt. It's an unsecured debt. Now, a lender, you as the lender may say, well, before we're going to issue this loan, we want these three credit cards paid off. They often want those funds to be handled by us and they request that we send those checks out so they know it's completed and they know those credit cards are paid off. Not they gave it to the borrower and the borrower said, wow, I'm going to stick this in my pocket. Unfortunately, that happens. 
So there's kind of the, the difference there in, you know, being detail oriented. And that's one of the biggest benefits as, as Michael has to be in any other escrow officer. It's, it's attention to the details. Uh, you need to have an escrow team that is detail oriented to make sure they're on top of that. And Michael, do you want to add something to that? Or, um, I mean, just, just real simply, um, you know, a, a simple definition of, of, escrow is a legal arrangement in which a third party temporarily holds money or property until a particular condition has been met. So essentially what, what you, what you have with, with us as a title and escrow company is you, is you have the title piece that we've talked about where we do a search on the property from, you know, from present day backward. And then you have the escrow piece where we are holding money as a third party in escrow until a condition has been met. And, and in this case, in a real estate transaction, that condition is the fulfillment of a purchase agreement. And one of the, one of the interesting things about, you know, about our job is nobody really takes the, the purchase agreement um, seriously as it relates to the legal components of that agreement until they're getting ready to lose their earnest money because they didn't perform. Um, and so that's, that's something we see all the time. Jeff, you had mentioned that time is of the essence. The, the Texas Real Estate Commission, the, their form, their standard contract, I mean, it iterates in the contract that, that you should probably get an attorney to look over this. There's, there's so much legal language in that, in that contract that, that I feel like on, on my end as the third party is, is really viewed pretty flippantly until they are forced to, until one of the parties is forced to perform. And um, that's something we see, we see quite a bit. So our responsibility as a fiduciary is to be impartial um, and to hold, in this case, money or documents, deeds, deeds of trust, things like that um, in our office until that purchase agreement um, has been fulfilled. So that's something we see quite a bit too. Well, I have to tell you, I, I appreciate you coming on, clarifying title, what it does for us, how it does for us. Everyone, can, you can go to us and ask questions of any of us here at welcomehomeradio.net. You can find us on the Cross 13 podcast. Please share. Please like us there. Jeff, welcome so much to the co-hosting process. I'm so glad 2023 starting off this way with you. And I just want to say thank you again, Michael, for coming on and taking time with us to explain these key questions. I'm Blair Thomas. I'm Tom Holm. I'm Alan Pace. And I'm now here with you, Jeff Duffy. God bless. Have a great 2023. Thanks. Peace. Welcome Home Radio Production provided by Lunatic Digital. Check the listing of this podcast for the links to our sponsors. And don't forget to like, share, and follow us on social media. Visit welcomehomeradio.net for more information. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.